So, Mark. Yes. If you were the dominant patriarch of a small town on the frontier, what business would be your anchor? I feel like based on every small town I go to, the veterinarian is the easiest market to corner because most towns don't have room for more than one. So you'll never have any competition. Grocery stores, someone else could open a competing shop. Everyone eats. Veterinarians, there's only so many people that need veterinarian service at any time. So that's where you could really gouge the prices out. My thing is, if movies have taught me one thing, you gotta control the media. Like, if you run the one little, like, crappy tabloid rag, everyone in town will believe whatever you print. That is fair. I read the Biltmore Eagle, which is a flyer newspaper for the small neighborhood in Asheville every time it comes out, of course. Exactly! And so you know that the Sandersons are a bunch of turds. Yeah, and you just you find out that Marjorie's plants need watering on Tuesday in the confidential section. And that George has been leaving Patty's house at weird times. That George, he's a rascal. I mean, really, Patty is the problem. If she weren't so open to his advances. I mean, Patty's dealing with a lot right now with her husband dying. George- But it's only been three weeks! Imagine if that actually was in the newspaper. How mortified would you be if you woke up and saw a picture of you leaving someone's house? And it was like 1pm? I mean, at some point that probably happened, right? I assume. I feel like- the, in, like, very small-town newspapers. Yeah. In, like, like the 1880s, where they were like, there was nothing else to do, and you couldn't import newspapers, and you had to fill the pages. I mean, you gotta put something in there. The soap ads will only take up so much space. And people need these newspapers to wipe their butts. Precisely. Hashtag gloss my butt. You gotta stop it before Sears comes in and ruins it. What about you? If you had to dominate one business, what would it be? I think the only thing more powerful than media is sex. I would own a small artisan sex shop. What is an artisan sex shop? Is this like like locally sourced dildos? Hand carved. Yes. With love. Exactly. You come in, you bring your penis, we make a model, it's exact to your specifications. Wait. A model of your penis? Well, a model of the because that's penis. But I mean, also unusual. just mass-produced my penis. <laughs> because my penis is clearly the ideal, the male form. Anyway, I think it would be big. I think it would be big in Sitka. <laughs> Nothing screams Sitka like local sex shop. <laughs> we will learn. It definitely is. There's definitely a sex shop in this movie's version of Sitka. Paxton's sex shop. And there's only one cashier, and his name is Ramon. And it's Oscar Nunez, yeah. yeah. The only employee in this town. <laughs> the only person of color in this town. <laughs> it's dicey. <laughs> At best. Okay, but it's also representative of Sitka. Have you been to Sitka? No, I've I, been to Sitka. I have been to Sitka, and it is very white. Have you really? I have been to Sitka. I went on an Alaskan cruise, and we went to Sitka. Very Were you there looking for Ryan Reynolds? I was... Because it was filmed in Massachusetts. And to be fair, also Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> to bring Rhode Island into the conversation, thank God. Um, I was there to look for Ryan Reynolds, but unfortunately he was on vacation, so I couldn't find him. She couldn't find his naked butt. 
A decent amount of the press tour for this movie was just about the fact that Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock were both naked in it. Did you know that scene took three days to shoot? Yes! Three days of nudity. It's not a long scene. Exactly. It is like a minute max total, right? Yeah. It's not long. And they provided fig leaves. Literal fig leaves for them to cover the genitals. There's no way. That must be like an industry term for well, what is the it? little privacy pouches they have. Oh, okay. yeah, it's privacy pouches. Is it really? Yeah. Why don't they provide fig leaves? Because they don't stick fun. to anything. If you give it's someone more... a fig leaf, they have to, like, what, glue it to their yeah, junk? They have to tape it on. I think that's reasonable. It did take three days to shoot the nude scene where Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock literally run into each other. And. It was a big part of the ad campaign. Like, Sandra Bullock did a piece where she was like, yes, at 44, I'm finally doing a nude scene. And it's me in Alaska (laughs) with Ryan Reynolds, star of X-Men Origins Wolverine. And by star, I mean Deadpool, but with his mouth sewn shut so he can't make any Deadpool jokes. It's weird that he's played Deadpool in, like, two different movie universes. It's the same universe, but it's an effectively different character. Because it's all the Fox X-Men universe. But in X-Men Origins Wolverine, he plays a character called Deadpool whose mouth is sewn shut, which doesn't make any sense because Deadpool is famous for what he says. And then he also played Deadpool as a guy who talks a lot. And at the end of Deadpool 2? One of the movies, I don't know. He's traveling through time and fixing situations, and he kills the mouth sewn shut Deadpool, and he kills Ryan Reynolds before Ryan Reynolds agrees to be in Green Lantern. What a weird movie. I've Green Lantern? Have you seen it? No. It's I, weird. Actually, I think I've seen that one. It's weird. It's also where Ryan Reynolds met Blake Lively, so, like, at least something good came out of that? Well, do you know where Sandra Bullock was born? I do not. Can you guess a state, maybe, where she was born? Illinois? No. Everyone's from Illinois. Worse. Arkansas? Virginia. What? She's from Arlington. How dare she? Exactly. There's a weird amount of celebrities from the DMV. Yeah, because it's great. Nico Case is from Alexandria. Ryan Johnson is from Silver Spring. Anyway, what's weird about this movie that we have not yet introduced is that in the movie, Sandra Bullock is from Canada and Ryan Reynolds is from America, when in real life... Ryan Reynolds is from Canada, and Sandra Bullock is from America. Arlington! So that's how you know that the movies are not always real life. Well, I think it's time to actually get into this film. (laughs) Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This, of course, is an investigative podcast. We are committed to examining the most important (laughs) issues of our day, specifically (laughs) the question that we care about answering is, does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if their romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation or if it's engineered by an abusive workplace. We will dig in and see what's there. It is our mission. We can't stop. We won't stop. We will never stop doing this show until we've found an answer. This week, we're looking at one of the last of the blockbuster rom-coms of the 2000s, The Proposal, directed by Anne Fletcher and starring Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. And we are, of course, joined by Nick to explain to us why this movie is so important. It was a sexual awakening for me. It was a moment. It's the sound. It's the feeling. Hashtag. Hashtag. Um, I love this movie. I don't know why. 
I think I've watched it too many times on TV. Could you give us like a ballpark? How many times I've seen it? Yeah. At least 10. But probably on like, I, like every time I see it on Alaska Airlines, like their like video thing, I'll be like. It's like the built-in yeah, movie on Alaska Airlines. Yeah, like I will just watch it. Because I'm like, you know what? I have five hours to kill. I'll just do it. But it's not the best movie. It's not the worst movie. It has Ryan Reynolds shirtless, which makes it all better. And pantsless. And pantsless. Oh. But Sandra Bullock is also super hot. And also, I just learned she's like 55. So that's amazing. Anyway, I love this movie. We're going to talk about its romance. It's dicey at best. It's not the most believable. It is. I was, yeah. We'll talk about my rating later. I have a very low rating. This is a movie of workplace abuse. That's exactly what it is. Oh. And we're going to talk about it. <laughs> that got real. When we get into the plot line. But I don't really understand why Ryan Reynolds agrees. Like, he has very obvious recourse to avoid this. But also very obvious, like, political and professional aspirations but it takes him a while to get there like he agrees before he gets to that point at a certain point you are so disheartened as an employee and you've been working so long as nothing that you like stop believing that it'll happen but then he i think he slowly realizes it'll happen maybe if he does this thing I mean, that's what we're going to be talking about for the whole movie. We're going to we're gonna break that down. He is an attractive white man. He will be fine in whatever job he goes to. So again, the movie that we're talking about this week is The Proposal, directed by Anne Fletcher, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago with her movie 27 Dresses. This movie is her follow-up to that, another rom-com. This is a big year for Sandra Bullock because this comes out in June. That fall sees the release of The Blind Side, in which she plays Leanne Tui, the mother of... That dude who becomes a Baltimore Raven, and she wins her supporting actress Oscar for that movie when it gets nominated for Best Picture. This is the first year of the expanded Best Picture field. They go up to 10, and that's a big part of her campaign. She actually gets nominated for a Golden Globe for this movie, which in a way helps to build the drumbeat for her getting an Oscar. She's getting all this awards attention in a lot of different angles. For Ryan Reynolds, as we said, this year's a big breakout for him. He's got his X-Men thing going on. He's got his rom-com thing going on. He's really coming into his own as a star. So this movie is a key part of both of their narratives. Sandra Bullock is such a treasure. She's great. She is honestly one of the most consistent actors in Hollywood, I'd say. Yeah, going back to speed. Going back to speed, I rewatched Miss Congeniality recently. She's really fun in that. She is so good at just tuning into what a movie needs and doing that. And she does that in this movie too. Yeah, she has the tone exactly right. And I think this movie is kind of nonsense. Like, it's a perfect movie to catch on USA at 3 p.m. Ideal time to watch this movie. Yeah, like, but also you don't even need to catch it, like, at any point. Like, whenever you tune in, it's going to tell you, you what the stakes are. Exactly. They talk about the stakes of this movie more than any other movie I've seen, I think. It's all dialogue. It is always on my mind that she could be deported. Like, we were watching Raiders of the Lost Ark at a party on mute the other day. And that's a movie that, like, the visual storytelling does everything. This is a movie where, like, the dialogue is constantly telling you everything you need to know. Except for the naked scene, which is the only thing in this movie that seems to matter to anyone. I mean, I guess. Based on the press tour? Certainly, the press tour was all about it. And I guess it worked, because this movie was a massive hit, as we alluded to. It opened on June 19th, 2009, in first place, ahead of... 
week three of the hangover in number two, to give you a sense. The other big opener that weekend was year one in number four. Is that the weird Jack Black, Michael Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. So it opened to $33 million. It finished at $163 million domestic. Globally, it was over $300 million. And this was a touchstone release. That means the Walt Disney Company produced this movie, released it, and it made over $300 million. None of those things are things that happen today, 10 years later. A lot has changed in the past 10 years. In short, The Avengers came out. Yeah, this movie really is definitely on the tail end of the possibility of this happening, too. Yeah, I genuinely think that The Avengers is like a Jaws-level moment in cinema, where Jaws promises the potential of a blockbuster film, and The Avengers promises the potential of a blockbuster film universe, where every movie becomes a massive hit. And once Avengers happens... Studios like Disney lose interest in these mid-range hits where you're making three, four hundred million dollars. A lot of money, but why shoot for a guaranteed that when you can make a play at a billion dollars? Because you get tired of all the same movies. I mean, you're not wrong, but from a business angle, from a shareholder perspective, kick out Dark Phoenix instead of something in the vein of The Devil Wears Prada. Exactly. Thank God for A24. Yeah, and like Blumhouse, the $5 million picture model is a good one. I'm really into it. I haven't watched a Blumhouse movie, I don't think, because I am too scared. Get Out was Blumhouse. Oh, yeah. That was very good. Yeah. And scary. It was that, too. I'm a scaredy boy. You're a big scaredy cat. Heredity. Hereditary. We're We're covering it in a couple of weeks. I know. Dreading it. It'll be good. So, I'd never seen this movie before we watched it. Oh, really? Yeah, this was my first time seeing it. I saw it on DVD. One of my sisters showed it to me. Basically, all I knew about it was Betty White and nudity. This is a big moment in, like, the Betty White renaissance, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is definitely at the early stages of her becoming a cultural phenomenon again. Because there's Betty White on Golden Girls, and then she kind of goes away for a bit, and then she comes back as, like, look at this hilarious old lady. And the proposal plays a big role in that. She goes on to such comedic roles as a two-episode arc on Community, which a is- A legendary performance. Some of her greatest work. She drinks urine. Yeah. And that's not even the cornerstone joke of that episode. That is a one-line joke. Later, she uses a bow and arrow to shoot a hammer at a student. You gotta do what you gotta do. As a teacher, I sympathize. So with all of that in our mix, we've got Reynolds- just on the rise. We've got Sandra Bullock in this moment where she's about to finally get her Oscar. Betty White making her comedic reclamation. Should we dig into this movie and talk about the romance? Yeah, it basically covers the whole movie. That's the proposal. I propose we break this movie into five points and discuss the romance. So Nick, as our guest, what is point one? So Mark, as our guest... (laughs) Let's talk about the first point. Excuse you, I'm not a guest on this show. Mm, um, so I think the first point that we need to talk about is the question of Sandra Bullock's deportation. You know, Andrew and I were, we are uh, just two people who weren't meant to fall in love, but we did. We no. Did. Yeah, all those late nights at the office and weekend book fairs, you know, no. something... Something happened. Something. Yeah. (laughs) She kind of comes into the movie with this debate of, oh, I forgot to fill out my 
visa forms because I'm so busy being a publisher. Because she's Canadian. She's Oh, she's Canadian. And she's rich and white. So she assumes that no matter what she does, she'll get a visa. So she's worried about getting deported. Basically, the higher level brings her in and says, hey, you're going to get deported. Like We are not allowed to continue employing you. Literally, you have to go away unless if... Like, you fill out these forms. To be clear, she works as an editor at a publishing house. To which I ask, why is it always print media in rom-coms? Who knows? 13 going on 30. Hitch. All of these movies. 27 dresses. The one with Matthew McConaughey. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It's always print media. Down with love. I don't understand it. Two print media companies. Like, what is it about print media that is so rom-com-y? I guess it's just the allure of print media. The and it's sex like appeal. a job that we understand. But we don't understand the details of. So, like, we get the general sense of it and we can move with it. Exactly. I think that's part of it. So, anyway, Sandra Bullock works as an editor. She's the editor-in-chief. And she's going to be fired. Well, she's, she's going to have to leave yeah. because she doesn't have a visa. And, I mean, there's a point zero to this where... Good God! <laughs> she's kind of the antagonist of the entire office she's everyone hates her the meryl streep of the what what is her magazine called in that movie not vogue but runway runway she's everyone calls her the witch they're like texting to let people know that i aming sorry it's early slack it's it's early before this point she fires asif manvi for being bad at his job which it sounds like he is. He was bad. It does sound like he is. Asif Manvi has a weird film career. Because it's like this, The Last Airbender, where he is one of the evil brown people, because all the brown people in that movie are evil. That movie is bad. That movie's real bad. I think his best film role is in Spider-Man 2, where he runs the pizza shop that Peter Parker works at, and he fires him. My other favorite one is when he was on The Daily Show, somebody at Fox News had argued that what Muslim Americans needed was a Muslim version of the Cosby show because the Cosby show did a lot to acclimate white America to like affluent black Americans. And so he did a parody video called the Cosby show Q U apostrophe S P Y. That is very funny. And I encourage people to check it out. Asif Bandri rules, but it sounds like he's bad at his job in this movie. Yeah. And I honestly don't understand the use of code words like the witch is on her broom and everyone is like freaking out that she's on the move because it's just been like she here she could probably figure this out she like knows she's the antagonist she must be able to access the office social media i am or whatever i don't know about that but i think she clearly can tell when everyone's putting away their newspapers and whatever like doing oh, whatever yeah. in front of her yeah she can see everyone scrambling to look like yeah. they're working which at the same time is just like just as bad which is actually something the devil wears product does better because they do like a really good job of pretending people are working yeah it's a much better movie i mean as a teacher you can always tell when people are pretending to be working <laughs> Anyway, so at this meeting, she's being told, like, you're going to get deported. And then Ryan Reynolds appears because she had previously arranged with him, like, ah, I have this meeting, but I'm too busy. Please interrupt me after 10 minutes. So he shows up and he's like, yo, you got a phone call from Oprah. So get out of here. I told them you were otherwise engaged. You were engaged. He also uses the word, I think he says, Mary called. Mary on the phone. You were engaged. And she gets this idea. A horrible 
awful idea. And her face curls like the Grinch. And so she tells her bosses that they're dating and they're going to get married. So the visa's not an issue because she'll just get a green card through their marriage. And he's like, what? And one of my favorite lines in this movie is when she says, it wouldn't be the first time one of us fell for our secretaries, Edwin. (laughs) Harsh. (laughs) Because after that, that is the moment they accept it. She wins the argument. They're like, well, I guess you gotta get your visa through marriage. Can't argue with that. So she leaves the meeting with Ryan Reynolds, who is like, what is happening? I did not agree to this. I have zero interest in marrying you. You are my horrible boss. No, that's Jennifer Aniston, not Sandra Bullock. You're my bad boss. (laughs) And then he basically realizes Bob will come back, be editor-in-chief. He will immediately fire this guy because he's been working for Sandra Bullock forever. Margaret. Margaret. So there's no future for his career if she gets deported. So The leverage chain is weird for me because Sandra Bullock is like, if you don't agree to marry me, I'll fire you. But that is obviously actionable. I think she's not going to fire him. He will get fired. If she gets deported. Because Bob will fire him because he played a role in Bob getting fired. Like, barely. That is the idea that is being planned. I don't know that the movie makes that argument. I agree with you that it's not clear in terms of the dialogue, and the dialogue is key to this movie. But I would say that that's probably, she's manipulating him into believing that's what's happening. I just think the movie doesn't really have a sense of why he would agree to it until they're on the street and he blackmails her. Because Ryan Reynolds is like, I'll agree to marry you only because you're going to promote me to editor and publish my book. And this is in the sense of he's basically being confronted with, because they've just met with immigration. And yes, yes, yes. That's right. So because they, they have to go and meet with immigration because been... she's like, I can get a green card because I'm getting married. Yeah. And the immigration guy is like, this is clearly a green card marriage. Get out. The uh, CIS officer who has a customs for dummies book on his desk. Oh, so what's his name? It works. Who's that guy? Uh, Den- De- Dennis. He's in American Horror Story Hotel. He's one of my favorite actors. Did you only watch that one because Lady Gaga's in it? Absolutely. I've also watched other American Horror Stories, but I watched that one because of Lady Gaga. I'm just keeping this podcast. Dennis O'Hare plays Mr. Gilbertson. Dennis O'Hare. He is a guy you recognize but could never name. Really? I had no idea. I mean, I don't know his name. Um, He basically confronts Ryan Reynolds with a five-year penalty in prison. And $25,000. $250,000. $250,000 penalty. That's a lot of money and a lot of time. So basically Ryan Reynolds is like, okay, so I'm being confronted with all this. I need something in return. And Dennis O'Hare's thing is like, you are clearly not wanting this. Like, just come clean and we're good. You're and, committing a felony. And he comes close to committing. Yeah. Like, to saying this is not real. But... He realizes that there's a lot on the line for him. He could potentially gain a lot if Sandra Bullock owes him. Yeah. So he blackmails her by in the meeting saying, oh, we can't tell anyone because she's promoting me to editor and we don't want it to look bad. So Sandra Bullock has to play along. And so then they're like, oh, she's coming home this weekend to meet my family. It's his grandmother, Betty White's 90th birthday so in that, Alaska. Yeah, so, gam, gam. so Margaret says that. And so then Margaret like, is Sandra Bullock. We have not used her character's name. 
Andrew and Margaret. Andrew I, is no, Ryan Reynolds. Because I have forgotten the lead characters' names many times, so this time I was proactive. So the two of them on the street realize, like, book flights to Alaska. The two of them go up, and they come to an agreement where if this works, she will promote him to editor and publish his book. And if not, he'll go to prison, and yep. she'll get deported. Those are dumb stakes, and he should have backed out of this. But we've got a clear timeline. It's the weekend, because on Monday, they're going to have the immigration interview. Where they're being separated, and they'll be asked a lot of questions about... Each other. Each other. Things that a couple would know, but randos would not. Exactly. And Andrew Ryan Reynolds is like, well, I know everything about you because I've been managing your life for three years. And you, Sandra Bullock, don't know anything about me because you're a selfish turd. Yep. So the two of them fly to Alaska. Where they meet Andrew's family. And she realizes that he is rich. He runs this very small town of Sitka. Which in the movie is smaller than it is in real life. Exactly. And this brings us to point two. The first cast. Who's this? Kiss her on the mouth. Like you mean it. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Kiss her. They arrive at Andrew's house, which is an enormous estate on a, like, separate inlet from Sitka. Because every business in town is owned by his family, i.e. his father, Craig T. Nelson. Who is married to Mary Steenburgen. Just like in Book Club. A relationship that has been reprised. <laughs> and they arrive. There's a huge surprise party for them because, I mean, this is the first time Andrew's been home in three years because... He's Margaret been working won't... for uh, Sandra Bullock. I mean, Margaret, she's a she's a hard boss. And so they arrive and surprisingly enough, they're, you know, if they've announced that they're together... And it's um, weird because, like, Mary Steenburgen and Betty White and Craig T. Nelson are all like, you have talked to us about hating this woman for years, mm-hmm. and now you're bringing her here as your girlfriend. When Gammy, Betty White, first meets Margaret, she says, oh, Margaret, or should I call you the devil's mistress? Because that is how Andrew refers to her, to his family. But he's like, no, 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 we're totally together. We like each other so much. And they go to this surprise party. And that's when we learn that Andrew is not on good terms with his dad, Craig T. Nelson. Mm-mm. And Craig T. Nelson is like, how could you even bring her here? Like, you clearly hate her. Like, you're sleeping your way to the top. And Andrew, who has been reluctant to deal with the whole uh, engagement thing, wants to stick it to his dad and is like, you know what? We're engaged. And he makes the announcement there to spite his dad. We're getting married. And then some weird dude who was friends with him. Like like in high school or something. In high school. He's very like mask bro, like terrible toxic masculinity dude. Basically cheers them on to kiss. Well, before that, they have to tell the story of their engagement. Which is very like, they're like teetering between like very sappy romance and very like masculine like oh yeah just said it yeah it's the story of the proposal and betty white goes on about how how a man proposes says a lot about his character and so then ryan reynolds and sandra bullock are going back and forth telling the story each of them trying to get the upper hand in this story being like the cooler more removed one and basically, at the end of the day, everyone's unimpressed by the story because it's clearly mishmashed. And it doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And so then they pressure him into kissing her. Kiss and her on the mouth like you mean it. 
which is terrible. Ugh, this this scene makes me cringe. This what I is... want to know is how many times has this family stood around and insisted that two people kiss? One hundred. Because it feels like they are practiced at five it. Five plus at least. And basically, they give like a pack, and then they're like, "Nah, you have to do it for real." And do then, a real kiss. Yeah. And then they turn and they do like a real one, and they kind of, you know, that movie moment where they like pull away and they're like, "Oh." They're kissing fake, and then before it ends, they're kissing for real. As in, there's a slight music change. (laughs) But they look at each other, and you can get a sense that, like, there's something there that wasn't there before. Because this is the movies, and anything can happen. It's something sweet and almost kind. It's the sound. It's the feeling. Anyway, point three, they're in Alaska, and the two of them start out hating each other, but then... They grow to like each other. My first concert was Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Don't like flowers in the house because they remind me of funerals. Never played a video game. I read Wuthering Heights every Christmas. It's my favorite book. Haven't slept with a man in over a year and a half. And, uh... I went to the bathroom and cried after Bob called me a poisonous bitch. Mary Steenburgen is really nice. She's like, please, we're under no illusions that the two of you aren't banging. So why don't you sleep in the same bedroom? And she shows them into a room with one bed that has far too many pillows on it. So many pillows. I mean, the same number of pillows I have, but so many pillows. It's like a dozen pillows. She doesn't remove to sleep. Yeah. Okay, so... That is the number of pillows I have on my bed, and that is a totally reasonable number. That is what Bed is Bath and Beyond. It's very many have. pillows. Bed Bath and Beyond is trying to sell you pillows, no, and it's apparently mm, working. You're being taken <laughs> in by Big Pillow. I I have been sold by Big Pillow. I love big things, big pharmaceuticals, big big hot tub, big pillow. I'm in. I'm all. But in. the thing is, Big Pillow tries to sell you lots of small pillows. It's a paradox. I'm also taken in by small pillows. They're so cute. They're like little kittens or puppies. I can hug them. Nick has so many pillows on his bed. And whenever I try and be nice and make it for him, he (laughs) criticizes the exact angle of the pillow I put down. He will be like, you did such a good job, but this pillow needs to be rotated 90 degrees. This is, okay, this is called a criticism sandwich. You start with something positive. Hey, you did a really good job, but this pillow is off by like... 95 degrees, which is a lot of degrees. 95? Is, 95. is the pillow not a square? Sometimes he puts it and the corner is curved and I get very upset and I have to bur- barf in my mouth. Burf. Burf. Oh, but don't worry. He also gets mad when I don't make the bed. Oh my god. That is like a 0%. Like if, if 95% off is like a 15, 5%? I can't do math. I'm really bad at math. This is terrible. Nick has also, not once, made my bed when he slept over. That is untrue. I have made your bed poorly. So... I don't care. Sandra Bullock refuses to sleep in a bed with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> she insists that he sleep on the floor, curled up under a blanket. She refuses to allow either blanket to be the baby maker. The blanket under which many generations of Paxtons have been conceived. And the next day, Sandra Bullock wakes up 
She tries to go outside. She accidentally gets the dog kidnapped by an eagle. <laughs> but actually gets her phone kidnapped, which then delinks her from the capitalist hand that has a grasp on her. Which I think is really beautiful. It's a really socialist movement, I think, this movie. Is it? Or does the movie just isolate her? No, I think it's socialism. I think not. <laughs> Craig because T. Nelson has a is, monopoly. She has never been broken from the actual system. But is Craig T. Nelson the problem with socialism? He's a bad guy, but like... We are to delve in in the next episode. The next episode is Megamind, and we will not <laughs> dig in. Yep. So... I guess it's the Saturday. Remember, they're there for like 48 hours. It's very, very short. So that day, the women, so Gammy and... Mary Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen and... Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock and, and Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman, who is his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, Malin Ackerman is Ryan Reynolds' ex-girlfriend. They dated in high school and through college. And then when she and Ryan Reynolds were graduating from college... Ryan Reynolds proposed to her, and Malin Ackerman was like, oh no, I'm not ready for this. So then he moved to New York, and Malin Ackerman is, like, still here in Sitka chilling. She's, like, the preschool teacher. Yeah, and so, like, she goes to these events. Her name is Gertie. If you say so. I think she's Valerie Flame. (laughs) Dr. Valerie Flame. So they all go to a strip club. I'm gonna wager it's between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m., So, like, on the one level, they're drinking very early. On the other level, it is Alaska, and alcoholism rates are very high. You can start drinking early, but also going to a strip club during the daytime seems like you won't get the A-level performers. I mean, it's Oscar Nunez, who at this point is deep in, what, season six of The Office? Season five? I don't know. But this character is, um... Interesting to uh, say the he least. He is yikesy to be sure. He is first introduced as the cater like cater waiter. He's a caterer at the party, the surprise party. And then he shows up as the only exotic dancer in Sitka. And then he also works the convenience store. So he is the only He's person- also the wedding guy. There are two employees because there's also a guy at the internet cafe. Remember that guy who's really boring? That's yes. all I have to say. He's so he's really not boring. the entire service he industry. Is one of two. But, the, but he is like a magical person of color. Exactly. He also has a really terrible Latino accent. It's it kind of a make, bummer. Because it doesn't make any sense. Oscar Martinez on The Office is actually a character who has a lot of dignity. Like he's a Mexican-American. He's a gay man. And he like doesn't take crap. Yeah. And Oscar and Nunez... In this movie is a guy who has kind of no dignity. He is also, in The Office, he has a totally reasonable Latino accent. Yeah. And in this movie, it does not make sense. It is basically half Russian, half Portuguese, and half Spanish. It's nonsense. It, that makes no sense at all. And between this and, like, Betty White being a Native American, this movie has some weird stuff going now, on. Now, Hoya Real Talk, I don't know about that whole... Native Americans and Russians did miscegenate. Absolutely. So I think she could be relatively white looking. But to believe that she follows the Native American tribalisms... Is a reach. Is definitely a reach. In a made up version by the movie scriptwriters, who I can guarantee did no research... No research. ...to do a respectful understanding of Native Alaskan culture. It's just Betty White dancing in the woods. Exactly. But it's also one of the best scenes in the movie, which we will talk about later. 
Okay. After we talk about It Takes Two. So, basically, Ryan Reynolds, after this big first day where Sandra Bullock is carried around by the women of the city. And And he has a fight with his dad. Oh, yeah. So, Ryan Reynolds has a big fight with his dad about whether he should stay in publishing in New York or come back to Sitka and run the family businesses and manage the town like some kind of Mr. Potter monopoly in It's a Wonderful Life. Sitka needs to diversify. Sitka needs a lot of help. In general, as a person who's been there, as a person who's seen Sitka, it needs help. It's like basically an island. Like, it's like Victoria in Canada. So anyway, they come back at the end of the day. Sandra Bullock gets tired. She's like, I'm going to take a shower. And Ryan Reynolds, he's been frustrated by meeting with his dad. So he's been hacking out this old canoe with headphones in. And so he's also been like, I've got my headphones in and I'm feeling angsty and I'm going to take a shower. It's the anger boat. Like, Barry Steenberg and Betty White talk about it like it's a thing that happens, where he often gets mad and goes and attacks the anger boat with an axe, which is a very interesting way of coping with your emotional issues. They get a lot out in this moment. I think it's a lot of, like, catharsis for them. But then they wound up, like, Sandra Bullock is in the shower, she's showering, and then the dog comes. The dog who she almost sacrificed to an eagle for her phone. Look, eagles are cooler than dogs. Way cooler. She definitely made the wrong trade. But also, the dog is pretty important to Betty White. And I would do anything for Betty White, including murder myself. So, Betty White, you know, clearly is a very important figure in this movie. Anyway, Sandra Bullock takes her shower. She, like, fully bathes. And then, she's getting out of the shower and discovers she has no towel. And that's when she's like, crap, I gotta get a towel. Meanwhile, Ryan Reynolds has come in, and he's stripping off his clothes because he's about to take a shower. On the balcony, though. Interesting choice. As one does. And Sandra Bullock sees the closet open with the towels, and she's like, oh, great, I can get a towel. But she's feuding with the dog, and she can't get past it because the dog, which is like 10 inches long, is too intimidating for Sandra Bullock. tiny puppy. And she could easily, like, I don't know, kick it across the room. That would be bad. And... She's aware that that would be bad. But, like, she... So she doesn't do it. Could step over it or whatever. She could easily walk around this dog. But she won't. So she has to engage in an elaborate scheme to get past the dog. And by this point, Ryan Reynolds, who is naked, is coming back into the room. And they've both got different things going on in their heads. And they crash into each other naked-like. So their bits bump against each other. Gross. And they're not happy. But they're also kind of turned on. And she definitely looks at his dick. And he definitely looks at her tattoo. Yes. She's got a tattoo of some swallows. And then that night, after, I I think, like, just a weird cutscene, they... Yeah, this movie <laughs> has a poor management of time. We know it takes place over a weekend. But, like, for example, on this day, we know she leaves goes to the strip club, and comes back to take a shower and go to bed. So either they're at a strip club for a really long time, or a lot of stuff happens that never gets addressed. Like, we don't get a proper sense of time passing. I think, they And also- it's made worse by the fact that it is Alaska during the summer, so it's bright all the time. Yeah. I feel like they go to sleep three times, too. Yes, they do. So it must be a long weekend. Um, I think it's two times. No. Anyway, that's not an important plot point. The second time that they go to bed, they basically are kind of talking about with each other and you know kind of 
pit patting and she's starting to tell him things about herself under yeah. the guise of like oh we have to pass the test on monday here's all my dark secrets like my tattoos are of swallows and they're about my parents from when they died because she's all alone this is what my first concert was which was the singers of it takes two whose names i don't know I have such deep, deep feelings. Please don't be a dick about them. And he's like, I got you. But also, I'm sleeping on the floor, which is not ideal. And the next morning, Mary Steenbergen shows up. Well, your mother and I have come up with a proposition, and I happen to think it's it's a terrific idea. We want to get married here tomorrow. And Mary Steenbergen is like, hello! So they have to run into bed so that they're in bed together, even though they haven't been sleeping together, because Mary Steenbergen has brought them breakfast in bed. And it's like, wouldn't it be awesome if you guys got married here so we could all be there for it, since everyone's already in town for Betty White's 90th birthday, and then we would have a lovely family moment without Craig T. Nelson being a jerk about it. You know what would have made this easier? If he had just walked over to answer the door and then gotten in bed instead of taking the time to get in bed and saying, come in. That would have worked. But then you wouldn't have gotten the morning wood joke. Right. So then they agree and they're going to get married. Because they've already committed to this lie about them getting married and they feel increasingly trapped by it. And they're like, I guess. Meanwhile, Craig T. Nelson has brought Dennis O'Hare to Alaska. To be like, yo, this guy called me to see if this wedding is legit. A realistic thing. What's weird is that Craig T. Nelson flew Dennis O'Hare to Alaska to offer immunity to Ryan Reynolds. Being like, if you tell the truth, you're good. It's also weird that this immigration officer wouldn't be so overworked due to budget cuts in 2009 that he would be so unbusy that he could fly to alaska for the weekend i mean at least it's the weekend yeah it is the weekend but he's so excited about catching these people in a lie because he's a little turd and he's excited to i don't know trap white people for a change (laughs) maybe so then they spend the day getting ready for the wedding yeah because ryan reynolds again is doubling down to stick it to his dad who he's pissed by he's like i don't want to be like you man i'm not like you And so, just like earlier, he was like, I'm getting married to stick it to his dad. Now he's like, I'm really in love with this lady and we're getting married. Again, mostly to stick it to his dad. So they double down and they're going to have the wedding. And Sandra Bullock gets fitted in Betty White's old wedding dress. Betty White's mother's wedding dress. Right. It can't be Betty White's because Betty White is a full foot shorter than Sandra Bullock. (laughs) So... While this is happening, Betty White's telling her all about the family history, how much love there is, and Sandra Bullock starts to have feelings. Because Sandra Bullock hasn't had a family since she was 16. So then she talks to Ryan Reynolds and is like, oh, maybe we should call this off, and gets very emotional and is driving the boat crazy, and then he starts driving the boat, and then she falls in the water. This is a literal boat. And she can't swim. Which we've been told earlier, she was reluctant to get on a boat to get to the Paxton family homestead. But he's just like, you know I can't swim. And he's like, boats exist. Get over yourself. This is at the point where he's really milking his power in the full, like, give a man an inch thing. Where he refuses yeah, to help her carry her Yeah, because she's a terrible bags, boss. Because she's so mean. She's a horrible boss. But she falls in the water. He has to rescue her. He has to warm her up with his body heat. Haven't we all? 
And they just continue developing more and more feelings. And ultimately, they are having this wedding. Because that is the bluff they have called. But then, as the wedding begins... And Dennis O'Hare is at the wedding. Yes. And as the wedding begins, of course, officiated by Oscar. Oscar Nunez, the only employee in the town. She kind of stops it and says, hey, like, this is all a lie. I brought him into this. This is not his fault. You guys are all so nice. Yeah, like, she really... I can't do this for you. Dennis O'Hare is delighted, and we get the sense that, like, Sandra Bullock is only doing this because she's come to care about Ryan Reynolds, and she doesn't want anything bad to happen to him because she cares too much. Which is maybe true. Sure. Dennis O'Hare is just like, well, she confessed. Yeah, so I win! Exactly. He's like, I win. Ryan Reynolds, you're off the hook. Let's Bye-bye. go home. And they basically, I mean, they book it. Ryan Reynolds tries to run to the house. She's gone. He runs to the airport. Well, that's controversial. Because then Betty White pretends to have a heart attack. To get a plane going. Yeah, a medical plane going to the airport. And because Sika is tiny, when she gets... Ryan Reynolds and Craig T. Nelson to reconcile. She's like, cool, I'm not actually having a heart attack. Uh, get us to the airport. And the pilot's like, what? But he was like, don't make me call your mother. So the pilot takes him to the airport. But they're too late. Which takes us to point number five. So, Margaret. Marry me. Because I'd like to date you. The Declaration of Love. Sandra Bullock has gotten back to New York. She has 24 hours before she has to go back to Toronto. So she's clearing out her desk. And everyone at the office is like still kind of scared of her, but also like kind of delighted that she's leaving. And all of a sudden... Comes Ryan Reynolds, panting. He's been he's running. all the way from Alaska. <laughs> and he says, Sandra Bullock, Margaret, I love you. What he says is, I want to marry you because I'd like to date you. <clears throat> because he needs to marry her to get her to stay in the U.S. And then they can build a nice relationship. So then they kiss and someone in the office says, show her who's the boss, Andrew. Uh, which is such horrible gender politics. And also the attitude of this entire movie. Yeah, yeah it's... Just sums up all of the just problems con- yeah. of the movie in one line. Just a continuation of what was happening before, and just, it's terrible. And so they commit to it, and they're going to have to go in with Dennis O'Hare and answer lots of questions. Who knows that it's a sham? And right, so by this point, they have he's to like, prove that they're actually in love. Yeah. I don't know, like, what are we doing here? But it's actually kind of nice. That, that cut, the last scene is actually okay. It's kind of cute. So then as the credits are rolling, you get clearly improvised scenes of them doing fake customs interview. And for some reason, Oscar is there. Yeah. No other actor from the movie besides Ryan Like I Reynolds said, this is the ultimate the like USA afternoon rom-com. Yeah. And then they do some really yikesy stuff with him, with the his citizenship status. And yeah. Because Oscar Nunez's performance in this is weirdly awful. Yeah. So... We talked very quickly about the film, The Proposal. Do you find the romance between Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds believable? No. No. Could you elaborate a little bit? There's no way this man would go through all this. There's no reason for him to agree to it. There's no reason. I would disagree with the fact that there's no reason. I think he, especially after realizing that he can blackmail her, 
I think that there is plausible understanding of I have a lot to gain in this situation. However, I don't think at all that this is how anything would happen. Like, I don't think this would happen in real life. But, like, the blackmail stuff doesn't seem to occur to him until they're out on the streets. That means he agrees in the meeting. He agrees continually. He doesn't actually get the idea to shift until, like, halfway through the immigration hearing with Dennis O'Hare. That's a long time to just be going along with it because he feels like he has to for work. As, As someone who's personally dumb... And currently an employee, I would agree that this is a plausible time frame of three hours in order to realize that you have something to gain. I also think that these two who hate each other falling in love in 24 hours. Please, 36. Doesn't make a lot of sense either. But I do think there's a lot of history. What I will give it is there's a lot of history there. Like, they've been spending a lot of late nights. They've been spending three years together. But it's like Ryan Reynolds has been focused on a lot of the details of her life. Like, he has pieced together that she has a tattoo without her telling him. But she knows nothing about him. So it's completely one-sided. Like, Sandra Bullock knows nothing about Ryan Reynolds. But to believe that he knows so much about... I understand knowing a lot about someone is important, but also... There's a certain amount to be said of just, like, spending time with someone and getting to know them and seeing, realizing... I just, like, don't think she's put any effort into getting to know him as a person. She thinks of him as, like, a screwdriver. Like, he's a tool that she uses to get other things done. And I would agree with you, but I would also say that when you use a screwdriver, you realize the utility of a screwdriver. You realize that a person... But I don't care about the screwdriver beyond its utility. Okay, but he's not just a screwdriver to her. I don't think she thinks of him that way. I think she's an empathetic person at the heart of it. I don't disagree that this romance is completely unbelievable. Just trying to give her agency as a human rather than just a person using a screwdriver. We rate the romance of every movie on a scale from 0 to 10, where 0 is we believe none of it. And 10 is we believe everything that happens romantically. So, Nick, where would you rate the romance of the proposal? Two. I don't I don't think it's believable at all. I mean, for 36 hours to, for her to realize this, for her to have never realized that she had feelings for him, for her to never realize that he's hot because he's super hot. I think that it's just completely unbelievable. But I also think that there's a certain amount of room that we have to make for her being an empathetic person to realizing how much he's willing to sacrifice for her, her career, and for her as a person. I don't know. I'd probably go with the two also. Yeah, I think a two is fair. More than a one because they're both hot, but, you know. (laughs) Hotness is like a major factor in your ratings. Yeah, because if you look at couples, hot people tend to date each other. All right. No, I think two is fair for the reasons that Nick was talking about. Like, the timeline is outrageous. I think Sandra Bullock has shown zero interest in getting to know Ryan Reynolds prior to this moment when she has a utilitarian reason to do so. But I think there maybe could be a case for something being there. So, do you guys think that either Margaret or Andrew is dateable? I think Andrew probably is. He seems like a cool dude. He's passionate. He knows what he cares about. He's not going to take too much crap. He's a writer, like, he clearly has a very creative side. Margaret is a disaster. Margaret is a parody of a soulless human slash bad attempt to do a Miranda Priestly, but not That's exactly what she is. empathetic way. She's the worst. I would not want to date her. No, I would say Andrew. I would date Andrew for sure. Yes, I think so. If you did have to pick any one person from this movie to date, who would it be? Betty White. Gammy. For sure. 
10 out of 10. Number one, she has a big fortune. I think there there clearly is a lot of money behind there. Sure. And she's going to die real soon. So, like, there's all that to deal with. Not only Are that, you, like, good with the, like, dancing in the woods thing, though? Okay, so I think it's problematic. But I think that at least she's passionate about what she practices. And while I wouldn't agree with it, and I'd probably discourage it, I think, you know, just let her be her. At the same time, I think she's really nice. She likes to bring people together. Like, that's all I'm really looking for. Loyal. I like that in a person. What about you, Mark? So, Gertie is a... This is Malin Ackerman. Super nice preschool teacher. Clearly maintains a friendship with her ex. I mean, she's hot. Is a hot, is just like a very decent person. So I'm going to go with Gertie. Yeah. Great choice. I was going to say Mary Steenbergen. Uh, always. A lovely family woman. So enthusiastic, welcoming to all. Is playing Mary Steenbergen. She also has a lot of money, clearly. Like, there's nothing bad going on there. She just wants her family to be happy together. And is willing to push people to make that happen. She's great. Do you guys think that Andrew and Margaret will stay together? I have no idea. Maybe? I think yes. I think, I mean, based on the movie, I'd say, like, because of the... I mean, they do have three years of history together. This is an interesting rom-com in that it doesn't end with them, like, being married forever. Like, the premise of this rom-com is it ends with them starting a relationship. It's an idea that we talked about in Set It Up... Where it ends with them starting a relationship. And we've got kind of the same idea here, but weirder. I think it's hard to say because we don't see their relationship. Right. We just see them beginning to get together. So, a lot of movies we've discussed, surprisingly, have been turned into musicals. And I use surprisingly very literal because many of them are complete surprises. Do you guys think there should be a proposal musical? This would not surprise me. Not at all. I kind of think it would work. I think it'd be fun. I think you could do it. I think this is one of the movies we've covered recently that it could work. Especially because I think, actually, the fact that they don't, like, marry at the end of it, in the conventional sense, lends itself well to it. Like, it ends at a beginning point, which I think is exciting and kicks off well into, like, a nice musical number. Love is an open door. Okay, on that note, I think we've covered the proposal. All right, next week, we've got some really exciting stuff coming up. It will be our 100th episode, which is a huge vindication for me. We will get into that more next week, I'm sure. The... Movie that we're going to be discussing is DreamWorks Megamind, which you can stream now on Netflix. It starred Will Ferrell, Tina Fey, and Brad Pitt. And it is a Superman parody that is fine, I guess. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps other people to find the show. All right, Nick. What is the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? I have a lot of money. That really helps. That that tells me, hey, you're a good person to marry because then you'll die and I'll inherit all of it. All right. I'd say be super abusive as a boss and force a subordinate into a relationship because that seems healthy and legal. That's bad advice. I was going to say for the person that you're interested in, Hold their pet up to the heavens in the hope that an eagle will take it and give you a phone. Well, (laughs) a 
until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye.